0: Welcome to the Made in Scotland
1: 80s podcast A podcast celebrating the golden era of Scottish bands and albums During the 1980s, 1990s and a hint of 2000s Join me for some in-depth interviews and stories With the artists who are keeping the 80s alive and kicking On Made in
0: Scotland 80s
2: Gary Langen and you're about to listen to my 80sography.
1: Welcome to 80sography and part one of the interview with engineer and producer Gary Langan Founder, member of Art of Noise, key member of the Trevor Horn production team And uh, component of the ZTT story I think I'm unofficially trying to cover as much of the ZTT 80s story as possible So I find it fascinating And uh, This is a really good interview Special thanks to um, the listener Steve Barney who helped make introduction Thanks Steve And enjoy part one of the interview with Gary Langan
0: Part one of the interview begins now. Play 1980 and 1980.
1: I mean, a good place to start is with Trevor Horn in terms of, because that predates the 80s, your first meeting with him, kind of how you met Trevor Horn and where you're at coming into 1980. So I want to I focus a bit on video, kill the radio stuff. Okay. okay, good.
2: Okay, Um, how did I meet Trevor? It was because it came about Trevor... Uh, discovered that Psalm E, well, it was just called Psalm in those days. It wasn't Psalm East; so it was just Psalm. And it was the first 48-track purpose-designed facility. And, and Trevor had heard about this thing called 48-track, whereby he can link two 24-tracks together. And he he had run out of tracks on the 24-track, and he wanted to put two tambourines on this song. And somehow he had the budget for us to... He, he, he turned up at Psalm, and he was a new client, never met him before, obviously. And he turned up and he said, right, what I want to do is I want to go twenty, go 48 track, which means that he had to lose one of the tracks on the, uh, the Master 24 track to carry the time code. And he said, I, I just really, I just want to put two tambourines on. And I was aghast. <laughs> <laughs> this is complete utter madness. <laughs> so that's what we did. I made up a, 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 a slave tape and uh, we, we put these, these couple of tambourines on this track called Goodbye Marianne. was a track that Trevor had co-written and I think with Bruce Woolley and another guy called, oh, something, Thompson. I um, um, can't remember his Christian name. It'll come to me, but there, there are three of them. And that that was my first that was my first meeting with Trevor, and we hit it off at, at, at that point because I didn't balk against this uh, prospect of, of making up a twenty four track, which which I, you know was so so new. We are talking kind of months into this uh, ability to link to twenty four tracks together. So you know there was a lot of caution, there was a lot of oh, don't quite know what you're doing. Stop. What the hell? If this guy wants to do that, let's go with it. Let's but say. was
1: he right? Sonically, did that second tambourine make a difference? Was he right on that? Yeah, Yeah.
2: he, <laughs> always, is. he, he always is. It's something that I that I gave me and uh, I, I actually think kind of lip Lipson and I, I, I understood Trevor really well, uh, and you um, you get to understand that you got to go with the guy because ultimately. He is going to come out with the correct decision, and and it's pointless walking against it or challenging it. And, and that's what. I, and I didn't challenge this idea of, of, of putting on two tambourines. And, and that that was it. We we hit it off. And I think I worked on a couple of other demos with I can't remember what the name of these what they called themselves. Mm. And uh, the the next thing I know is that well there there's a little, it gets a little bit dense here because at this point. Trevor meets Jill, who then becomes his wife. And Jill was the daughter of the owner, the financial owner of Psalm. And Jill had come, come along and bumped into Trevor. And they'd hit it off. And he played her a demo of Video Killed the Radio Star. And she said, I'm signing you. Well, there was no production company or anything. Else. She more or less made the production company there, there and then. And she signed Trevor and Jet to to Sound Productions.
1: Now, similar was that demo to the finished track. I mean, did you get a sense of? I mean, if you heard that now, would you get a sense of the finished recording? Yeah,
2: yeah, the yeah, the, the the chorus and, and and the verse, if you like, and everything was there. It was yeah. just it hadn't been done in the way that Trevor wanted to explore, and the, what what Trevor Trevor's thinking was you know he, he is an, an exceptionally good bass player uh, and so has sat alongside many many great drummers and rhythm sections uh, and realized that there was uh, another way of making a record and we, we we didn't have drum machines back then in 1979 are we talking about have I got this right yes yes 1979 yeah. yeah there were no drum machines There were clicked there were things that made click tracks so it Was Trevor's thinking was to to isolate every instrument and every and every component of that instrument and basically deconstruct the whole thing and then reconstruct it metronomically. And so the demo was was a little bit kind of a little bit ropey compared to the the original or what with the the master what we ended up with. So so there's there's a whole bunch of politics and everything and that goes on. And and Trevor is signed to Sound Productions, him and Jeff are signed to Sound Productions, and then they're not. And who did they sign to? Gosh, that would come back to me. And they go off uh, and, and start making the um start making the master. And they go to the townhouse and they work with Hugh.
0: Clarification Corner. The Hugh is the engineer producer Hugh Padgham, who Daddy has interviewed before. Listen to it if you're old, it's good. It says here, thanks.
2: And Hugh starts, video killed the radio star. Yes, I mean,
1: do realize that when I interviewed him I wasn't aware that he was the engineer for so he basically recorded the basic track and then you Yeah, he, he, there, he right?
2: recorded the basic tracks and they kind of got about quarter of the way through, halfway through of, of, of making this this record, and I think obviously a B-side as well. And, and the way that Trevor had done it is that you, you laid down a click track and then you got the drummer to play the bass drum, play the snare drum, play the hi-hat, then do the tom-toms and the cymbals. So everything, of every component of this drum kit would have been recorded separately and then put back together again. And and they got about, I guess, half quarter of the way, halfway through. And then they stopped working with you. I don't know why. And they turned up at, at some. And I carried, I, I finished it and, and mixed it. And it was that that really did cement the relationship between Trevor and I. I heard you on the wireless
0: back in 52. Lying awake and tuning in on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you.
2: I must say, I, I, re, I mixed that single about, I mixed it three times, and the, the final mix was done on a Sunday morning, because that was the only studio time that was available. It was insane again. I'd mixed it twice, and they were perfectly good mixes.
1: So what was he looking for that wasn't in those first two
2: mixes? He can't tell you until you do it. <laughs>
1: so when it's right, he'll say that. When, definitely. When it.
2: When, when, it, when when that train arrives.
1: Okay. You gotta wait for the train, yeah.
2: When when that train arrives, it, it it is first class and it is the right train. Yeah. And and it, I don't know. I've never gone back and listened to the other two mixes, but having then spent the next m- many years with Trevor, I I'm pretty sure that the final mix that I did was. Different and probably for that reason better than what I've done before. There, there is one thing that happens on that track that um, in those days, the way that you silence the sound and, and really isolated an instrument was you would use a gate, a noise gate. So I had, I had a pair of noise gates on the Tom Tom tracks because there, there was a rattle going on. So, so, so you gate the tom-toms to uh, get rid of the background sound in between the beats. And if you go back and listen, there's a drum fill that takes you into the outro. You don't hear all the tom-toms. <laughs> <laughs> because the gate didn't open in time. And, and nobody, nobody noticed it. I, I noticed it instantly and I just shut my mouth when I heard it, when we played it back, uh, uh, you know, when we'd done the mix. Uh, and Trey was going, "Yeah, this is this is this is it. This is this is the one." And I I, I, I just shut up. I said nothing.
1: So one of those happy accidents,
2: if you like. You just need if you go and listen now, now that I've pointed that out. You, you, they're, they're only half there.
1: Thank you for ruining the song for me. Thank you.
2: Well, 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 well. <laughs> if you're going to talk to people like me, this is what these things end up being. And and it's one of the reasons I don't. There's a part of me that doesn't think they're right because. I think what we end up doing is bursting people's bubbles. You, because you have a perception of something, and you love it, and you're passionate about it, and you grew up with it. And then somebody like me comes along and says something like I just have, and you go, oh... Yeah, but
1: knowledge is power, isn't it?
2: Well, okay. okay. Yeah. Anyway. Because anyway.
1: if it isn't, why am I doing this podcast?
2: Well, okay, yes. All
1: right. <laughs> I've got to justify it, so... Uh... So exactly. I, I've cheated and the kind of this is a 1980 track because obviously the album Plastic Cage came out in 1980, but the single yeah. came in 79. But to me, what I love about Video Kill the Radio Star is that it feels like it's the first 80s single. Do you know what I mean? It sounds 80s. It's kind of ahead of its time, and it still sounds fantastic today.
2: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I'll I'll agree with you on that. It does sound good. It doesn't carry. I don't know. It never sounds dated to me. Yeah. There's some that I've done that. You know, in inverted commas, they sound dated. But there's something, uh, something about um, about that whole album that um, I, I, it doesn't date for me. Um, what? It, my favourite track on that album is uh, Miss Robot. Actually, I, I, I love that track. I think it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. I love doing the mix. I, that is one of the best mixes of, of tracks over all the tracks I have mixed. I I sit back and I can listen to that mix now and go, nothing wrong with that, that is brilliant.
1: to mix a track you don't like because if it's something you really no, love, you, I are you worried about screwing it up because it's like oh I, I love it so much I can only what, what if I ruin it and I've ruined this great track.
2: I've I've never had that fear that I was going when asked to do something I'm going I'm going to ruin it. I can't I cannot mix something I don't I don't enjoy. I cannot work on anything I, I don't enjoy. I I have never done anything that I haven't enjoyed doing. Uh, that's vitally important for me. It really is. I, I, I think it's got to be like that for all of the people like me. I, I don't see how you could sit there and get passionate about something that you ultimately don't enjoy. Because when you, as an engineer, you, you put your heart and soul into what you're doing. It, it's not a nine to five job. It started when I first started. Um, there, there were these things called session musicians. <laughs> <laughs> And, 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 they, and you did sessions and the session would go two till, from two to one, two to five and seven to ten. And that was it. And that was the closest being an engineer ever got to being it being a nine to five job. By the time I got to be an engineer, that that concept really was fading, fading faster, ten to one, two to fives. But actually, that, that's how I got in. and That's how I got into this world. Because my dad was dad was a musician and uh, there used to be a, a, a program that went out on, um, it wasn't called Radio 2 in those days, it was called the Light Program. And uh, they had a program that was called Music, Music While You Work and it was broadcast at 11, between 11 and 12 every morning to all the factories up and down the UK. And it was to cheer, cheer all the factory workers along because you're talking about the post-war periods. And it was, it was recorded the day before and broadcast the next day. And during school holidays, I used to go along with my dad when I was about 11 or 12 and go to the, this studio called IBC, which is on Portland Place, opposite the BBC. And, and I, I, I would sit in the studio and, and watch this being done. And in those days, it was men in white coats. And I was utterly fascinated I was as I say 11 12 and I, I would sit every morning during the school holidays with my dad it was he, he played violin and I would watch this process of taking the music from one room and putting it onto this disc and it, and it was and it was cut straight to disc that's that's how I discovered recording studios didn't really know what they did but thought this was a fascinating thing.
1: Talking about engineering in general, so...
2: Oh, right, yes, yeah. so, yes. So Getting into engineering. You, you're saying, did, could I? No. It, 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 it's a passion thing for me. It's utterly passion. I, I put a heart, my heart and soul into absolutely every every piece of music that I work with. It, it can't be anything other than that. It can't be anything less than
1: that. So you never did anything because it's like, this is going to be successful. I don't like this music. This is going to be successful, so it's a good one to have on no, this. TV. No, 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 right. no, never. Never 1981. Okay, so moving into 81, um, and, and four perfect singles really dollar <coughs> dollar singles, right? Yes, Mirror Mirror in particular is just they're like these perfect, like jewels of pop brilliance, it's like oral glitter balls of delight. It's just this
2: perfect Ooh, sparkly, all glitter balls of delight.
1: Wait, is that are those your works? Yeah, I mean, you know, okay. what I mean, it's like. They're just like sparkly little gems. I don't know how to describe it. I mean,
2: those four singles were perfect perfect pop to me. They were perfect little pop singles. Yes. from top to tail. And that was where Trevor really did start to nail this this process of of making a pop record and and making it different to the way that everybody else was thinking. They were, they were.
1: So what was it that made it different? What did he do with it to make it so... Okay, they seem like the bass seems to be quite prominent in the songs.
2: Yeah, there's the a, there's
1: like a melodic force to the song, where yeah. in normal songs like the rhythm section push back yeah. in the mix, and yeah. it seems very much to the forefront, like with the with the keyboard. Yeah. As
2: well. Bass players make amazing arrangers and producers, and my theory on that is because if you're a bass player, you are standing there, really in the middle of everything, watching and listening, and gluing everything together. You are. You are. You are the link. It's not actually the drummer. I, I think I think it's the bass player that, that, it, that, it, that it is the, the link in a band and pulls it all together. And Trevor, oh, my my favorite bass player, to be quite honest, I, I, I could sit for hours with Trevor in the studio just doing bass. And that's where he starts. And so he he really, he, he 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 writes the song in the rhythm section. If you like, in the bass and the drums and and Trevor's skill is the arrangement and he might not be able to tell you ahead of time how things are going to be arranged and evolve but as i said earlier when it, when the train arrives you, you you know it and he knows it and, and you move on and it's this whole process that Trevor that, that start you know what was dollar They they were perfect puppets. Trevor would take you as an act and he would deconstruct you and put you to one side. And then he would do his work. He would do his arrangement and then he would stick you on top. But as the artist, you really had no say in the matter trevor has never made two albums with one artist if you look at it he's only ever made one album. that's
1: interesting almost like the artist is like something you have to just just deal
2: everything goes into that first album okay yeah that first whatever he's once he's done that he's not interested in doing that again with that person the only the only um act i think that he's made two albums with is seal all
1: right yes And he kind of he had kind of an executive producer role on the second Frankie Goes Hollywood album, didn't he? But I guess he wasn't really hands. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. If you follow that, then every he he really does throw everything at that first first album first. Single? No, it's, it's it's an album. All right, so because with Dollar, it was all singles. With, uh, like the Jags, it was just singles. When we worked with Out, it was just a, a, a single. But when it got to the album and we did a whole album, then there, there was never to be a second album with that
0: act. 1982.
1: Yeah, speaking of which, in 1982, we come to the Lexicon of Love ABC, the much loved Lexicon of Love. Uh, I've got a, a, like a question on each of the singles. Thought to, to be different because okay. lots been said about Lexicon of Love, lot, lot could be said it's a great album. Yeah. Uh, so Tears Are Not Enough was not originally produced by Trevor. So was that remixed for the album, or was that pretty much the single version that made the album? Uh, it was remixed for the album. And and when you're remixing an existing track that was like a a successful single is that a different task because people obviously already know the song are you trying to create something different or you just like enhancing it and kind of making it quote unquote better
2: we would have taken the original and added things to it there's there there is nothing again that Trevor wouldn't accept that it's got to have his stamp all the way through it so we would, I would have remixed it, but we would have added stuff, stuff to it. Does that answer your question? Yeah,
1: because because it's like the odd one out of the album. Like, I guess you'd need to it, remix it so, know, it so it's in it, place it, with the rest of the album, yeah, because it doesn't it's, stand out.
2: Well, that, that's how that's how that's how it, that's how it was done. So yes, we did. We didn't go from ground zero again on that one. It it was it was sorted out and re, and remixed it really. to the album and, and it never it never sticks out to me.
1: No, no, that's that's kind of why I asked the question, really like was it really oh, right, to okay. make sure like, it, it flows the rest of the album because it does you wouldn't if you listen to the album and didn't have any idea you wouldn't be able to pick that track. And he said one track wasn't produced by Trevor Horn you wouldn't be able to pick out which track it is I don't think
2: no you wouldn't yeah. and, and I think uh, yeah it would have been a tough pill for Trevor to swallow to say that he didn't produce that but yeah. And, but uh, yeah go on more, more questions about Lex
1: going to love them. OK, Poison, Poison Arrow. Oh, Go on. Yeah, poison. was it true that your girlfriend at the time provided the spoken bits? Yes, Karen Karen Clayton.
0: I thought
1: you loved me, but it seems you don't care. I care enough to know I can never love you. And so, so, yes, yeah, the just yeah. asked her because she was there, like, or was she no, auditioning my... to see no, that. Was your no, idea.
2: No, it was my idea because she was my girlfriend. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> but I
1: mean, was it like always, always written to have a spoken part for a woman? And then it was like, oh, I know just the person. Did she have to audition for the part to make sure she sounded right, or did you know? No, right? no,
2: yeah. no. We we I just went and got her out and she was a receptionist at the studio at SAR. and I, I just went and grabbed her and said, oh, <laughs> we, 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 Mark, Mark, you, you need to do these answers, you know, this question and answer then, right? and i guess if it hadn't if she hadn't worked then we would have we would have substituted somebody else because trevor you know wouldn't wouldn't keep somebody on there just for the sake of that she's the receptionist and my girlfriend and you know yes yeah
1: that's, a, that's a, yeah that's what i asked about whether she auditioned first to make sure that it was you know past muster or not
2: no 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 it was almost one take one uh, and and then, then I said to her, you should invoice for that, you know. And, and she, did. <laughs> she did. And Jill went ballistic, absolutely ballistic. <laughs> because at this, at this point, hang on, at this point, Jill's, Jill and Trevor are married uh, and she's managing him. And, and I said, he, he, I, because uh, Trevor and I, we, uh, we were going through a period where a- a- everything we did was, was successful. It was really quite odd that everything we touched, from the Jags from, to Spandau Ballet to, to Dollar and then to a, ABC. So by the time we got to ABC, I kind of had the feeling that for a while, whatever he and I did or do it, is going to be good. So I said to her, you know, this is this is not going to be a throwaway album. You know, this is going to be a big album. You should, you should invoice for it. It <laughs> uh, caused a bit of a stink. But and then and she didn't get paid. I don't
1: think. Oh, she didn't get paid. I said, why wouldn't no, no, you get paid no, 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 I don't I don't
2: think she got paid.
1: It's a, it's a contribution to a record. I,
2: and and she, yeah, there, there is this society called PPL that collects money for um, performances on on, on, um, on on records, and she would, too, she would she would collect quite a bit of money for that. But I'd I
1: hope that's an integral part of the song. Can't imagine the song without it. Can you really? You can't. You can't. Yeah. You can't. It says the goodbye and look of love. So I was going to ask, if it was that her as well? But then I looked it up and it said the background vocals spoken by the actual woman in the relationship that had jilted Martin Fry that he wrote the song about. Is that true? That's amazing if that's true. I got I'm, it hoping it, I'm
2: hoping that's true. I, I will leave it as true because I can't honestly answer it.
1: Okay. The idea that he wrote you know, a song about a woman that jilted him, then got her into the studio to
2: say well, goodbye. Well, that, 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 that's, where, where, where is that written?
1: Oh, it's on Wiki. I think I read it on Wiki, so it's bound it's to be not, true. It's not true. Oh no! So did she say the sorry, goodbye? Sorry,
2: then? sorry. I uh, have to be honest. Yeah, no, uh, be, yeah. Like, please it, do. It, it's Karen again.
1: Okay, okay. That's good. It's good to clarify that. I'll go into Wiki later and correct it.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, credit where credit's due. It's Karen again.
1: So did she get paid for the goodbye
2: at least? No, no, no. Nothing. No, no. Nothing. No. Not even a fiver. No, no, no. Look, I I, I I, have much, much more fondness for Trevor, but he is so tight sometimes. you <laughs> <laughs> he, he, He's so tight, he, he and Jill. She was just oh, horrible to do business with. She was, she was masterful, but she took no prisoners.
1: Uh, was there a reason for that? Why both of them were that kind of...
2: No, lived, lived just how the pair of them were. They were both exactly... Heard. They were the same. Right. You know, trying trying to kind of squeeze a pay rise or whatever was just, you know, um, frightening. Frightening. It was like going to see the headmaster sometimes. I used to think going to see Jill. <laughs>
1: uh, the last single, which to me is the classic of the album, which is "All of My Heart," which is oh, amazing ballad. Oh,
2: my my favourite track on the album.
0: Spilling up in of
1: my heart What is it like when you're engineering such like a lush epic kind of ballad like that?
2: When you've got, is, is got the wondrous with... Anne Dudley doing, doing the string arrangements because you, you've got you, uh, Anne was brilliant absolutely brilliant on that album she was genius they were the best string arrangements they really really were and when we got to All of My Heart oh, and we went to Abbey Road to record the strings and I, I I, 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 you know, I know, I know my limitations, and I, 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 I yes, I can record a, a full orchestra and, and Abbey Road one, if my, you know, but can I? Wouldn't it be better? Let's let the house guy do it, and you just take a number and sit down.
0: <laughs>
2: well, let's, come on, let's be realistic. There's a guy there who's doing it day in, day out. Yeah, my my ego's saying, come on, yeah, let, let, let's do it, let's do it. But the other, the other part of me is going. I'd I, I take the number, mate, and go and sit at the back, and, and that's what I did. And we went up to Abbey Road. Ah, oh, it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, they were best string arrangements. I see that the overture on the album mm-hmm. is beautiful. That's just beautiful. It was such a joy. Ad, Ad's just genius. She's the best piano player I've ever, ever worked with. Wow. She really, really is. She she is the queen of one-take wonders. Because she, she used to come play, you know, she was a session musician. And, that, and that's how Trevor met her. And, and she is the queen of the one-take. If you do not have that record button on, you're an absolute bloody idiot. And... Uh,
1: did that ever happen where she did that perfect first take and it was just like a rehearsal and you kind of missed it? Not with me. right? because you
2: made sure. But I have had the odd assistant that I do point out to them. What, what I say, and, and, and it happened a couple of times with Anne, and it would have been and like when we were doing other noise things because I would have been doing other things, sort of, and somebody engineering. And we, you know, set this up so that we'd be doing something with Anne. And there was one kid that um, he, he, didn't have, he didn't record the first take. All right. And uh, I got to the end and I said to him, play it back. And he said, well, play what back? And I said, "What she just did. Because it was genius. Absolute genius. All right. And he said, well, I was on recording. And so I remember this. I said, and I sat down next to him at the console, And I said, what's your title? And he goes, well, I'm a recording engineer. Okay, let's break this (laughs) this down. The second word is engineer. Have I got that bit right? And he goes, yeah. I said, good, good, good. (laughs) What's the first word? Recording. And then I just get up and shove the door. I don't you can't work with me. You're not, you 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 on the same planet. Yeah,
1: find out the hard way.
2: Sorry, you'll never do, you'll never not do that again in your life. Yeah. They're, they're because, and it's not because it happened to me, I'm doing it to you. All right. It's I know through past experience there are some things that's the only way you're gonna learn. And and so, yeah, so Anne is the queen of one first takes. They are, the, they are the best. Yes, the next one will be okay, all right? And it'll be fine and da-da-da, but it won't be the same as that first one, I promise you.
1: Okay, that's interesting. So basically, for Lexicon of Love, you have the nucleus of Art of Noise already there. Yes. So yeah, you yes. kind of already kind of like a team at that point. Yes. With that immediate, the, like the three of you. So that's you and Anne and JJ Jexalic. is that you pronounce it?
2: Yeah. Uh, yep. No, Jen Charlik. Jen Czalek? Yeah, Jyn J-E-B. In Polish is Yen
1: Okay, Jyn Okay,
2: A-L-I-K okay. is Chalik.
1: Okay, so the three of you were working together and there was an immediate bond there just clicked.
2: Yes, and, and the, the, the bond was, and Trevor and I were the top end of this bond, and what this bond was about was knowing what the other person was thinking and knowing where the other person was going. Trevor and I—that was that was the king, the 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 the, the, the real linchpin, the the, the the glue between Trevor and I. People used, would be amazed at how little he and I would talk. We would not sit for hours and discuss things. It was this unsaid thing that I knew what he wanted, he knew I could deliver, uh, and that 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 transferred it, it onto JJ and I. We did. We you didn't have to. Um, you know each of us would do something and it was always where the other people were thinking of going as well it was it was incredible but it's only now retrospectively that i can look at look at it and and analyze it and say that at at the time you just knew that you there was you got on with these people these four people in the room well it was happening why i couldn't have told you back then now i can
1: Right Okay Also in 82 You alluded to it The Spandau Ballet Instinction single Which I think is probably My favourite My huge Spandau Ballet uh, But that's That's probably my favourite Spandau Ballet single
2: Oh come on Through the Barricades What's wrong with that Oh,
1: Through the Barricades is a good song Yeah But I'm saying My favourite is in, Through the Barricades Would be top three Okay uh, Okay with, cool with, with, with True And "Instinct." Yeah. I think Instinct has got a bit of um, Oomph to it it's got a Trevor horn effect it's got a bit of oomph to it isn't oh it? it's
2: got loads of Trevor in it it's bad it's yeah. to have the whole middle bit of that song complete you know The reason um, you know, they were, that came about is because they were they they needed some oomph to their success. And so Trevor was the, the hit boy the the wonder boy and, and so you put that I don't think they realised what Trevor was like. <laughs> and of course I, I, I'd worked with them prior to this because I worked on the first two albums with Richard James Burgess. Alright. I'd engineered the first two albums and, and so I, I knew that. So when it when it cropped up and came up on the to do list that we're gonna do stand our ballot and we're gonna we're gonna take instinction and turn it upside down, I was, I was thinking, oh, this is gonna be interesting. <laughs> because I know what Gary's like.
1: Oh, uh, yes.
2: You know, he he he's a control person. He 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 is he's found our ballot, you know, he, he writes and does everything.
1: So I can imagine he liked the end result, but he didn't like how you yep. got that. Yeah, that's fair to say.
2: <laughs> and I don't think some of the other band members quite cared for Trevor at the no. time. OK. It was always going to be interesting. I didn't say it was going to happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the ends justify the means, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. OK. Was it successful? Yes. OK. Not much you can really say. All right. You didn't really enjoy it. Well, fair enough, but you didn't really look up uh, and think about what Trevor was about. You know, it's because Trevor would also muscle in on the writing too. That he, he There are lots of every, everything. He always co- ends up co-writing with his art, the artist that he's producing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was good, though. It was good to see. It, it was good what we did to In because it wasn't very good as, as they finished up, as they had it. It was quite ballsy.
1: Yeah, it just it stands out in the the whole. Oh, I, oh, I, it's, it's
2: it. not it's not it's hmm. not a out song to be honest. Yeah, yeah. You know that that's almost kind of what happened with yes, you know.
1: Um, oh yeah, definitely yeah.
2: Well, I I, I look, I, I I struggled with that out. I'm sorry, we're jumping around a bit. I know you've got an agenda. We
1: can go into eighty three now because that that's
2: yes, isn't it?
0: Nineteen eighty three.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you tell me. I, I was just in the eighties, Mark. You know, <laughs> well i i know well, as long yeah. as we're in the 80s we're fine so you okay i know it. but i i was making it mate all right i wasn't sitting back and watching <laughs> and observing it oh okay. you
1: must have had a chart with the year by it come on 80 what you, would, you must have had a chart or something with the year by it. like in no no, you know? no 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 a diary like, no
2: no 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 diary no chart
1: no 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 so if I if I was to name a song, you would not be able to narrow it down to like a, a year. If I said, "What year did you do through the Barricades'?" Would you be able to
2: say, "Oh, yeah, that was definitely..." A year. I I I I get there, Mark. <laughs> I, I would have all these pointers. "Through the Barricades," where was it? Where that was Munich. So that would have been nineteen ninety. No, no, in the late Late eighties, eighty. Let me think. Mm, I am... I'm not okay, shopping. I think, you, I think you've 86, well done,
1: yes. You, you, yeah. 86,
2: 86.
1: You pulled out of the okay. bag, yeah. Okay, anyway. Okay. We're in 83, which is a
2: big... Okay, year. we're in 83, and we'll go with the start of ZTT, we'll go yeah. with the start of Art of Noise, because that all happened at the same time. Okay, okay. So What what's happened now in Trevor's life? Do you see everything a lot of my life revolves around what happens in Trevor's life. Um, he, he's had a huge bust up with Jeff and the Buggles are no more. OK. Do you
1: know what that bust up was about?
2: Yes. Who owned the Lynn drum?
1: <laughs> OK. me just for good reason. That's fine. <laughs> really? <laughs> they broke up over a Lynn drum?
2: Yes. OK. And Jeff, I, I'll, and, and Jay, if you ever interview JJ, he'll, he'll back me up with this because the pair of us were there when this crowd kicked off. Okay. Jeff came in and this round kicked off about the, the lindrum and it, in the end, literally, Jeff just stormed out the door and was never seen again from that day.
1: Was it a nice uh, lindrum? Was it a, a brand new one? It was one
2: of the first yeah. ones. It, it was amazing. It was amazing. We, we right. loved it. We, the lindrum lin and the TR-808, the 80s wouldn't have happened if you didn't have those drum machines. I tell, I'm telling you. Then you got the Fairlight. But the lindrum and the TR-808 what, what what made made the 80s in terms of technology, um, amongst other things, obviously. But anyway, so 83, yes. Yeah? Is that where we're at? Yeah, we're at 83, yeah. It um, was so ZTT then, so... ZTT. So Trevor's fallen out with Jeff. He's been offered to start a label by Chris Blackwell of Ireland Records. Uh, Chris is willing to give Trevor and Jill some money to start a label. They say Yes to this idea and paul morley is now fluttering in the wings i kind of know that trevor's thinking about starting a label but the other big thing that is in trevor's head as a problem is he no ha- no longer has a house band when he was with jeff just with the skills of the of them, they could make records okay because he'd now fallen out with jeff he didn't have a house band Now, what had happened, um, I started to work, we were were working with Yes at the same time as all this was going on and other things. And we ended up, uh, it's on the first of the two albums that I worked with on Yes, an album called Drama. And we were working at Air Studios and Hugh had just done In the Air Tonight with with um collins Phil Collins all right and I, I and I was working at Air Studios and I'd heard it on the radio and I went out and got it and bought it and played it and just was so depressed <laughs> because it just sounded bloody awesome and what did Trevor yeah. think of it? Was he the same, or was he? I uh, know he was. He was. No, 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 no. Trevor doesn't listen to other people's records. Okay, go for it. I, I, I make the records. Other people listen to my records. I don't listen to other. The only person is Sting. He, he admires Sting beyond belief. He, Sting, Sting is just fantastic. He will listen to Sting's work all the time. That's,
1: that's interesting. So I have thought he would have wanted to know what was. Yeah, I was finger on the pulse of what was contemporary pop at that time, so we could like stay ahead of it. Because you can't stay ahead of it if you don't know what it is. So if you see what I mean,
2: didn't, he no, didn't care. He, didn't he care. was making it. It was you. He he was he was ahead of it in Trevor's head. It was for all you to follow him. He didn't need to go and look at what you was you were doing. He didn't care.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Anyway, um, we we made this. We cut this. We were cutting this track, and I heard in the air tonight. And I thought, man, this, this is amazing. This is an amazing kid. And then we cut this track with Yes. And I literally had these, the drum kit set up on a riser in the middle of this big studio. And because of the tempo of the track and the groove that he was playing, these drums just sounded like cannons. They were awesome. And it was um, Alan White, obviously. And we, got, got, we worked on this track for about two or three days. And I'm just sitting there loving it because I'm thinking about Hugh and in the air tonight, I'm thinking, and this is gonna nail you. And then they scrapped the track. They ditched it. And I was devastated. I was thinking, you can't do that. Those songs were amazing. So what I did, because I was the curator of the tapes, being the engineer, I was told to erase what we'd done, all right, because tape was expensive, and, and a band like Yes would use lots and lots of reels. Of tape. And so I, I was told to erase it so that we could use the tape again, but I didn't because the, it just sounded too awesome. I just knew that I was going to do something with it. So uh, hit the tape, blah, 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 I moved forward. Trevor buys a Fairlight. JJ becomes the Fairlight programmer. We're working on that Yes album drama. And um, they left early for some strange reason. And it left JJ and I just hanging around. And JJ was packing up the fairway. And I said to him, Where are you going? And he goes, Well, we're going home because JJ was renting a room up from me at the time in my house that I bought. And I said, well, He said, We're going home. I said, No, 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 no. I got, I got a mad idea. Do you remember when we were up at Editor? I said, I've saved those drums. What I want to do is I want to put the whole of the drum kit into the fairlight. he said, you can't do that. I said, we can, we can. So I did a, a good little quick mono mix of these drums. And and he only had a mono input in a fairlight. And it was an 8-bit processor. You could just about squeeze two and a half seconds of sample time, all right, out of this thing with a bandwidth of nothing, all right? So I set up mix, gave it to Trader, JJ plugged it in the back of the fairlight. And, and we're still in there. And I said, OK, I want you, I want you to try and sample a bar so hit hit enter, which was the sample button on the, on the keyboard. I said, just to hit enter on the downbeat. I said, I don't, don't mind really what downbeat, but just go on the downbeat. And JJ, bless him, and it's, he hates me telling the story, didn't really understand what I meant. So anyway, so we're playing the, these, this drum track, and he hits enter. And what he does is he samples, he goes from beat beat three to beat two. So I've now got this bar that's actually kind of backwards. I said, have you got it? And so he plays it back to me. And I said, what's that? Because it was it was odd. And he said, well, it's what you asked. And I said, no, 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 you haven't gone on the downbeat. What have you done? And I worked it out. Anyway, so he, he turned the whole groove around. So very quickly, we stayed up all night and we did a demo. And that was the first start of Noise Track. But it was just a cassette. Now, getting back to Trevor and ZTT, OK, I had this cassette in my car, and we were going off to do a test cut of one of the Yes tracks. And we were driving around North London, and Trevor was looking really down. And I said, what's up, TC? And he said, you know, you know we're going to start this label. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, but I haven't got anything to sign. And he said, "I, you know, I sort of had in my head that I would have a... A house band, and so at this point I went into the glove box of the car, and I said to Trevor, I said, oh, "Look, I've got to confess to something here." I said, "Do you remember that track, the S track that was scrapped?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, I didn't." And I said, and then JJ and I mucked around with a Fairlight about a week ago, and we 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 did this, and I put this cassette on, and it was um, beatbox. It was the demo of Big Box, basically. Yeah. And, and in those days, it was called Cantata for VW Starter, OK? And it was just a, a fun name that JJ and I, had think. So I played it to Trevor, and he goes, what's this? And I told him what we'd done. And he goes, that's bloody brilliant, GL. So I said, oh, yeah, OK, right. So he gave it to Chris Blackwell. And he said, oh, I, I think this should be, um, I, you know, what do you think to this? And so Chris Blackwell took that cassette and took it to New York that weekend and played it out in Dark Soteria the whole weekend to see what the reaction was. And it was, a, it was a game changer. And Blackwell came back and he said to Trevor, I don't care what you do, whatever that is, that's the first thing on ZTT. And that's how ZTT, that was, we were first back into so, to ZTT. So it really did start around us. And then then came the Frankies. So you were signed before Frankie goes to Hollywood? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah. so did you have to credit,
2: yes, for Beatbox? Yeah. No, no. But we did pay Alan five hundred quid.
1: Oh, so he got paid? Okay.
2: Because I didn't I didn't have the heart. I, I, I knew what we were doing was illegal. You can't, you can't steal somebody's, you know, you just can't do that. So yeah.
1: so did you so, explain why you're paying him 500 quid? I said, oh, here's some money. Don't ask any questions. Yeah,
2: no, we fessed up. We said that uh, right. uh, <laughs> and, 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 and said, we'll we'll 500. I mean, going back to 1983.
1: That's a fair chunk of change, isn't it? Yeah,
2: it's a fair chunk of change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it was all legal. So we anyway, so That really was, that was the start of ZTT. And then Paul came on, we signed, Paul Morley came along. Uh, And then the next band that was signed was with Frankies. We were doing more, yes. I think we were working on 90125 at this point. And we were working at Battery Studios. And there was a TV program on Channel 4 called The Tube. And I was outside in the lounge playing Space Invaders and there was this band that came on and it was it was the Frankies. And it was that, have you ever seen the tune? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a very different version they're playing. It
2: is and it isn't. It's pretty- Very, very raw. Yeah. And it's almost very, very raw, very raw. All right, but it was very standout, what the hell's this?
0: Don't do wet when you want suck wet relax don't do wet when you
2: want to come and so I went and grabbed Trevor he was in control and I said you should come and look at this lot I have no idea what they are oh, da, 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 da. and so he sat and watched the end of this performance and that that weekend, you know, um he tracked them down, and and they were the second band. there was the second band to sign, and then came and um, Pagal and Andrew Poppy.
1: So, did you have any involvement with like Relax? Were you there as a sounding board? Would Trevor come to you and mention? I, I track was
2: sounding board at, at this point. We're we ju- we're jumping around a bit, but. At this point I will I wanted to do, spread my wings a bit. So when it actually came to making the the Frankie album, I, I was heading out the door, to be honest. Right. So that's when that's when Lippo came up came on the scene.
1: Okay, because obviously there's there's duck rock, Malcolm McLaren at this time as well, eighty-two into
2: eighty-three. Yeah, we we're, were busy. <laughs> we were we were busy
1: again it seems like like you were saying about anything that you touched was a hit like buffalo gals and double dutch were both massive top 10 hits in the uk i remember at the time oh, they, they, hearing they, on the radio all the time and it was like these are kind of odd songs to be hits
2: yeah
1: kind of ahead of their time What like the whole album was
2: so our whole album genius it really really is genius but, I mean, were you uh,
1: no. aware at the time that you were doing something that was groundbreaking that, like, this hasn't been done before, like, you got, you got hip-hop, you got, like, African music, like, three years before Graceland. Yeah. Got, was that, con- you were conscious at the time, or was it something that just only, like, in... It was so mad, Mark. It couldn't, it was going to be, it was
2: either going to be the biggest white elephant on the planet, or it was going to be successful. You know, there was no halfway house, where really. Yes, it because because of the elements Uh, you you knew that i don't know where we're going well what we're doing but we had a license between us if you like trevor and i to really go and do anything we wanted because there was nothing there when we started the album there was nothing absolutely nothing and trevor's description is genius He, he describes the, the start and trying to get going on the album, because we were, we went to New York. Trevor just said yes to, 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 to Malcolm, and um, and we flew to New York, and we were there for about a week, and there was nothing happening. Trevor, Trevor, we were staying on Central Park South, and I had a few friends in New York, so I was sort of okay, but Trevor would just hang around the hotel, trying to figure out how we're gonna get this album going. What are we gonna do? And in the end, what happened was I went out for dinner with a friend and the friend was Gary Lyons, who was the guy who originally owned Psalm and was the guy who taught me everything I knew in terms of engineering. He's now living in New York. And I went out for dinner with him and I came back to the hotel. (laughs) In those days, the radio was in the TV and you had, it was just a mono radio and it was about two in the morning and i had one of those sony professional cassette recorders. yeah do you remember those are you old enough
1: i'm old enough yeah i'm afraid yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> so i had one of those with me and i, I was just gay just turning literally turning the dial on this tv on the radio bit, because it was still even in those days i didn't think they were, 24-hour TV wasn't happening and um, I came across the public service broadcasting PSB channel and there was this music coming out and what it was was these two guys uh just a lot of superstar and C divine the mastermind who were two scratch DJs who to make money used to go pickpocketing on Times Square and they'd make enough money that they could get two hours a week on PSV radio. And and it was, it was absolute madness, this show. It was crazy. And so I stuck my Walkman thing in front of it and recorded it. And then and I just thought this is nuts. There's something something good here. So the next morning when I saw Trevor, I, I told him what, what I'd done and that, you know, you should come up and have a listen. And that's what that album is based on, It's based on this cassette recording in this hotel room. From me, and that's why you, you'll hear bits of that cassette throughout the album.
1: Oh, so the actual cassette version that you hear on the record, then it's not like it can be recorded or anything.
2: No, the, the, the like all the vocal bits where yeah. it's where the, it's, it's the two DJs in the yeah. studio, you know, and that's that's you of the yeah. That's what you recorded
1: off a TV, yeah,
2: yeah. What's up, yeah, what's
0: up, <laughs> yeah, would you love the world's famous Supreme Team show? So Do you love just a lot of superstar? So oh, yeah, you love everything about this show, <laughs> I mean. you? Yeah. All right, well here's
2: Justice. He's gonna kick it with you for a while. Yeah. Okay. It, it, uh, in central on Central Park's house. Yeah. So that then it was like, well, okay, we've got this sort of radio show that we could base the album on, and then and and of course the whole concept was to go around the world. All right, and, and collect world music, but well, we didn't actually quite do that. All right, but the next thing we did was go down to the southern states, go down to. Nashville around there Tennessee and and so the idea was that you know we, we might as well go and try it, all, all this stuff so we went down there and worked with these hillbillies and that's where that's where Buffalo Girls started and then we went back to New York and we did the cube all the Cuban stuff because there was a heavy Cuban um uh, enclave in New York. So we went up and met these guys, and we did all Cuban music in New York.
0: All of Hispaniola, to Sabo Cafe, all over Hispaniola, blessing what they say. Feel it's a reflection.
2: Then we came back to London for a little bit. And then we went down to South Africa. So it, it, it was basically just going around the world. And then what was gluing it together were these two scratch DJs from New York. And in, in the end, what happened was we came back to London and we had all, if you like, all this ammunition. And what I did was I then took things like, oh gosh, you know, just the drum track of something or the some instrument, some Cuban instrument, da-da-da-da, and I just then went to a cutting room and I made up all these acetates of like drum grooves from the Cuban bit, da 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 da, da. And the, 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 the mastering engineer he just thought I was absolutely crazy. But this is what we were gonna do because we were then gonna fly these two guys over to London and get them to re-scratch the album. So we got, I got all the album material and, and cut it onto acetate so that they didn't actually have to scratch the, the vinyl. We're in, go back to New York, come in New York with Trevor and, and Malcolm and there's nothing going on. But Trevor's in his room work trying to work things out. I'm, I went out with Malcolm one night to this, what would be now called an LGBT club. Okay, so but what happened at at 11, 12 o'clock is the LGBT uh, crowd cleared up and this crew arrived from the Bronx and they came down and they had uh, two, two, two scratch DJs, uh, an MC and another, another rapper. They had um, the girls doing the skipping and they had a graffiti artist and they came and turned up at this club and they would now run this club from like midnight, midnight until dawn. And so I stayed up all that night with Malcolm watching the most mind boggling, amazing scenario. I, I, I watched these guys scratch these records, how they, they actually get a, a needle, a hot needle. They find, find the pockets or, or the grooves that they want, okay? And they get a hot needle and they literally draw a line across the vinyl. with with the hot needle so that they can drop the stylus right at the start of it and that's where the phrase comes from and I watched them do this and I was just uh, just aghast from anyway so we we got just a lot of superstar and C divine the mastermind and flew them over and I set them up with um, some decks uh, and some speakers and everything and and gave them all the album material in in solo form if you like on these acetates and and got them to re-scratch the album so that's where all the scratching is, is actually scratching of the scratching. It was quite right.
1: hard. Scratching of the scratching.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> it was brilliant, it was genius. And mixing, because there was this whole thing of like, I didn't give a damn about people nicking stuff, but the whole prospect that I could do mixes and I'd give you just the drums on one side and just the music and everything on the other side so that if you're a DJ... You you could flip between the two. And, and it was like, well, why can't we do this? And people were going, well, oh, I don't know, nobody's ever done that. It's like, well, <sighs> were there any rules? Well, where's the rule book telling me we can't do this? Broke so many, you know, created and broke so many rules on that album, really.
1: And you haven't even, we haven't really like focused on the oddest single element of the album, which is Markham McLaren. Oh, the idea that Markham McLaren, right. the ex Sex Pistols manager, becomes his pop star all of a sudden in the eighties.
2: You, you, you had to be there the first time. This is a brilliant story. He had to be there the first time Malcolm started doing lead vocals. All right. <laughs> so I don't know. We're what three, four months into this project, and now, as I said, now, now we're in, now we're in Johannesburg. Okay. And uh, and Malcolm, oh, this is genius. M- Malcolm is married to. I guess they were still married when they split up, but with Vivian Westwood, yeah, yeah. And Vivian was on board with this whole project. She was going to design the clothes to go with the album, yeah. So she'd started fooling around with concepts and everything. And so she had made a white crocheted version of what became the Buffalo Girl's suit with a hat and everything. And so she she made this white see-through crocheted suit. Malcolm was now in Johannesburg. Apartheid is very much in place. Okay, we are staying in the only cosmopolitan hotel in Johannesburg. I the only hotel where blacks and whites were allowed to to congregate. And I'm sitting there at breakfast and Trevor's not there and Malcolm turns up and Malcolm is sheet white, skin tone wise. He's got carrot red hair that is just sprouting from the top of his head and he is wearing this more or less see-through crochet Vivian Westwood suit. (laughs) I'm thinking, what the hell is this? And so Malcolm says right and he never called me by my name i was never gary i was always boy to malcolm is that and just gonna um, remember
1: your name or just
2: no it was just what term of did. affection i, I it, was, it was sort of a term term of endearment to be yeah. honest. all right so he always called me boy so i'm sitting there at breakfast Malcolm rock, rock rocks up and sits down i said so uh what's happening today he said well i'm going out to Sueza. you're what malcolm so I'm get, getting on the bus. I'm going downtown. I'm going on the bus and I'm going out to Soweto and I'm going to find us some musicians. Are you serious? <laughs> Do you know what you look like? <laughs> <laughs> and he did. He left the table, left breakfast, and he went downtown and he got on a white sony bus that was going to Soweto and he turned up at Soweto and he went round these shabins and he went and found these musicians and 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 um, that's how we got started anyway so it we get we're about a week into it and and Trevor goes I think Malcolm you, you're going to have to start doing some sort of vocals all right we've got tracks and everything but you know we need a lead singer and you are the lead singer <laughs> so he started uh, So let's start with Buffalo Girls. So he kind of pens the lyrics, which are you know a a mashup of um, square dance calls, yeah, and what we've been up to. And uh, so he writes these lyrics, and so I set I set set a mic up in the studio. (laughs) Sorry. And I gave Malcolm and I retire quietly to the control room. <laughs> and I, I pressed play and record. Okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and Malcolm started calling the square dance over what we'd done. And I, I, I was in the same level of hysterics that I <laughs> had now. Okay. Because it was just appalling. <laughs> <laughs> It was a, it was awful, right. and I was crying with laughter. And Trevor got so pissed off with <laughs> me, he, he threw me out of the control room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was how awful. is it?
1: How was it different to the final version then? Was oh it, God! Like...
2: Look, hit, hit in the end, to, to keep Malcolm in time, bless him. Okay, <laughs> Trevor stood behind him. And would tap out the beats on his shoulder blade. <laughs> <laughs> it was possibly the funniest thing I've ever seen in my recording life.
0: Two Buffalo gals go around the outside, round the outside, round the outside. Three Buffalo gals go around the outside. All Buffalo gals go around the outside, round the outside, round the outside. For Buffalo gals go around the outside and do see do not your partners.
2: The fact that we're in, in the middle of Sueza, we had to work nights because... Because of the, I, I don't know because of the apartheid and blah 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 blah, yeah. blah blah. We we only we could only buy night time, all right? Okay, so <laughs> I was in the middle of in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I've got Trevor, Malcolm trump to be a lead singer. I so. Nuts! Absolutely nuts! he in his
1: white to... suit at the time?
2: Yeah, no, no, I don't no? Think so. <laughs> but honestly. How, how he survived going out to Soweto in, the, in in the middle of the eighties, you know, and why he, he wasn't murdered or, or, or set upon. Is it. He is he
1: fearless, or true. just like living in a world
2: and not aware there's they're afraid completely of? Completely fearless. Trevor's Trev, Trev, description. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor's description of, of, of working with Malcolm, he says it's like knitting fog.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the other the other thing that he called, he, he said Malcolm was a concept merchant. Yeah. What, Mal, yeah. What, what Malcolm does is just pluck concepts out of the air and deliver them to you and it's for you to put them together and uh, make, make it work.
1: Well, that's what part, that's part of what made the Sex Pistols work, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah. just they had the great songs, but it was
2: how they... No, were. it was <laughs> the concept People, yeah. A lot of people don't get that, Mark. actually. Yeah. The, the 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 concept behind it. It wasn't it wasn't a fly by night thing. No, The no. Pistols were were set out in in Malcolm's head. You know, the whole shot, Vivian again, da da da. It was all
1: there.
2: Yeah, the, the, the anarchy. It was all it was all to be done, and Ma, Malcolm was the man to do it. Okay. I, 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 he said one one great thing to me. Uh, we only have a kind of satin ate together at breakfast yeah and again he said boy people get confused with two words i went oh what's that malcolm he said can't and won't he said there are too many people and i'm fed up with it who when i ask them to do something they say i can't do that and he goes boy they're actually saying they won't do it yeah i went i won't have that i can't do that of course you can it's just that you won't do it and i used to think that's so true people are too quick to say I can't do that you know because they won't they won't push themselves they won't look outside the box whatever whatever and yeah, they're too, yeah. too, 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 too quick to say I can't I can't do it yeah there are people, that say, there are people that say why and people that say why not yeah I learned a lot I learned a lot from working with Malcolm
1: okay so we're still in 83 so all that you yeah. talked about and then there's your first producing gig beauty stab ABC Which I've, I've listened to quite a bit, actually, and I really like that album. I think it's a really underrated album. Do you actually... How do you feel about it now? It wasn't kind of Love 2, and as you said, it couldn't be. That's a, yeah. a futile a, even attempt, that'd be pointless. Yeah. The guitars, the, the kind of loud guitars, they're not just out of step with what ABC were doing, they're out of step with what anyone else was doing in 83. Yeah. Such a, an 180-degree turn. <laughs> I assume that was deliberate. And How, how do you assess that album now?
2: My, You know, I my, my my little... Personal hit list of, of things, and Beauty Steps on that. It, 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 I think you're you're right in saying it was an underrated album. They, they were they were bound to get loads of flack, and if you like, <clears throat> I was the fool guy. They, they they needed to make this album and take the flack, and they needed, but they needed the album to be good. So hence going to me because they knew. Trevor had told them that he, was never, he was not, wasn't going to make the next album. But they didn't want to make that, that, that... Look, it wasn't easy for them, for, for Mark and... um oh, lead singer. Uh, Martin. Martin. It, was, it, it wasn't easy for Mark and Martin uh, to really swallow the album. It was hard work for them because Trevor had done the... the, the, the that's where the whole process of deconstruction of a song and as, of, of an artist that's where it really took place on, on, the, on the lexicon of love. He, he really did take those guys apart.
1: Trevor Horn did so much of the work on that that they were kind of like, once they were left their own devices, they kind of didn't know what to do kind of thing. Is that what you mean?
2: They had to go along with what Trevor, where Trevor was taking them. Yeah. It wasn't wrong, but was it heartily right inside Mark and Martin? I'm not quite sure. They did struggle with that, with the concept of it, of how Trevor wanted as I say, deconstruct it and put it back together again. So when it came to the second album, they knew, I didn't know we were going to get all that flack, all right, to be quite honest, because I was just cock-a-hoop of being asked to produce it. And I, it's an underrated album, unfortunately. I think,
1: it, yeah, I think it is. It had a... Impossible expectations, really, didn't it? Because it, it couldn't.
2: It, it, it couldn't. It couldn't. It wasn't. It sort of wasn't allowed to be successful because of what had gone before. Yeah. yeah. um Which was a shame. all right Would you
1: have done anything different in retrospect if you could have had? Like, no. You, have, no. Yeah. No. No. That is it, meant. It's to. the
2: album that we wanted to make. Yeah. And, it, and it's honest, Mark. You know, it's what what they wanted to make, and I was more than capable of sitting alongside them and letting them and helping them make that album. But, uh, boy, we took some flack for that. We really did.
1: No, it's a really strong album. It's got my favourite ABC song, which is SOS. It's, oh, glad you said
2: that. It's a beautiful it's song. Beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful song. And in the simplicity, it's even better, you know.
1: And it, the lads from Frankie are doing the backing vocals. Yeah. the end bit. So how did that come about?
2: Well, because we're... Well, because, we are now Beauty Stab. I started it at the townhouse in Studio One and we cut all the tracks there. And then we went to what was Basing Street, which became Sarm West. And um, I finished it off and mixed it there. And so, and because ZTT was very much up and running now, the, the Frankies, the, the, the lads were around all the time. So it was quite easy to literally kind of snag them from outside the character on throw. Throw them into the studio and say sing that. <laughs>
1: How many takes did it take? Were they were they sober uh, at the time or were they?
2: I can't remember, Mark. <laughs> you know that, 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 that was an, another clouded fog the Frankies. Yeah, I bet, I bet, yeah. You know, I, I did get involved with them a little bit, but um, I, I did a live thing for the, on, on the tube. They went back to midsummer's night's tube, All right? Um, but uh, or it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Bye. likes my caveat to your what will, will be my answers all right uh, <laughs> I, I was in the studio for the whole of the 80s and that's what okay. all the
1: producers that I've interviewed have said that like, I was to watch <laughs> anything to read anything <laughs> so I picked the wrong like targets in my interviews for this kind of creep <laughs> around because you're too busy maybe the artists have the time to like read <laughs> I a, don't a know
2: but anyway come on, let's do this okay all right it. so so your favorite film of the 80s uh my Favorite film of the eighties is, is obviously Spinal Tap.
1: No, this is it. Yes, this that's is right. Smell the glove by that's, Spinal Tap. When you that's the smell store, the
2: Glove. That's the, that's the jacket cover that's going out across the country. So it's in the compromise. Every store. Yes. Is it going to say
1: anything here? It doesn't even say nope, anything. it's not going it? to say, say anything on the so show. It's just going to be like
2: this, all It's going to be that simple, beautiful. It, well, I think it looks like death. David. It looks David. like morning. Every, I mean, looks... Every, every 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 movie in every cinema is about death. Death sells. I but think they, he's right. There's something there's about right. this that, that, that's so black, it's like, how much more black could this be? And the answer is none. None. Is good? More black.
1: Did you experience any spinal tap? Well, bones?
2: yes, because uh, at this point, I'm I'm good friends with Jeff because he used to live around the corner from me here in Wimbledon. Uh, and so he sort of used to hang a bit. And he is now in Asia. OK, <laughs> <laughs> and Asia of just being formed. And he said, Oh, look, there's this new movie out. Let's go and see it. So we went for it, a Chinese first. And then we went down the Fulham Road we, we went and watched went and watched Spinal Tap. And I, I was just it, it, beside myself. <laughs> I, I'm looking at it on, on the screen. And then I'm turning, turning left and looking at Jeff and going. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that's my, that's my favourite movie of the 80s. I can't argue with that. Uh, best TV programme or series? MASH for, for the American contingents, OK? And over here, only Fools and Horses.
1: Well, I've got to admire your bottle, Rodders. I must admit, you've been in the business five minutes and already you've opened up a Spanish branch. <laughs> the world market on broken lawnmower engines. <laughs> What's your partner doing now? Is he buying second-hand pedlos?
0: <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. No, we're, um, we're going into the self-catering holiday trade. Oh, what, on 200 nicker? Yeah, well, we're starting in a small way. <laughs> well, you got a wendy house. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh favourite book of the 80s? National Geographic book. National Geographic. I, I, I couldn't. I, there was no way I was going to read a book. In okay, God forbid. No, no, no. Okay, but what <laughs> I did do and have done is subscribe to National Geographic, and that would come every month. Excellent. And I would, I would look forward to that coming Good. and read, and read that. So my book of the eighties is National <laughs> Geographic.
1: Subscription, yeah. Okay. Best album not involved with of the 80s? Uh,
2: David Bowie, Let's Dance. Oh, okay. Why? Because of Nile Rogers' involvement. It's all about the drum sound, isn't it, with that album? It's about the groups. Yeah. It, it, it could have been like another chic album. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You've got the same rhythm section, haven't you?
2: Yeah, he's got this chic rhythm section. Okay. Best live event attended? Ah, uh, well, obviously there's the obvious, which was Live Aid. Were you there? Yeah, because of Spandau, because of Queen. So, yes, I was there. What's Any there? great
1: memories of the day?
2: Uh, yeah, being on stage, being uh, back backstage to the side when they did Radio Gaga. Oh, you saw it from the side? So, so that, that, that scene in the movie where I, I saw that for real life. How did it compare yeah. with the movie version? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. Are we here? Is- The other, which is probably a better gig, was I saw Crowded House's first gig in America. So what have been 85? No, no, no. Uh, 84, uh, 84, I think. 85. I was doing. I was in New York with Baluie Sam, making a Baluie album, and I was friends with a, a girl who worked at MTV. He did a, uh, her job was acquisitions and. They had MTV back then, had to broadcast some live music every week. And she said to me, "I've got to go and see this Kiwi band uh, tonight because we might we might um, use them, you know, as a as part of our live broadcast next week or a week after or whatever. Do you want to come?" We went to this Indian restaurant on Times Square, and it was incredible. It, I, and I sat at this little table right in front of Neil and Tim. And I can't remember the drummer's name. Oh. Paul Hester. Yeah, Paul. And it was just the three of them in this Indian restaurant on, on, on the on, on the on Times Square, where you've got Broadway going one way and well, I can't remember the other avenue. But there's a triangular building, and on the fourth floor was this Indian restaurant, and they set up in the apex of, of the restaurant, which was all glass. And there's the three of them with the backdrop of Times Square going on, and it was their first gig in America. So, did you know who they were? You knew it was Neil Finn from Split End? No, I had no clue, Mark. All oh, right, not a clue. Nobody knew who who they were. What they, they still were. made an impression. Oh, they were, they were phenomenal. Uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, it was so. We, we were then supposed to go and meet some other friends for dinner. And I kid you not, we got a cab downtown, and we got to the restaurant. And I said, "Look, they, do you mind? I'm I'm going to bail on dinner. I'm going to go back to the Indian and wa- watch their next their next set because they were doing like a show, doing showcases. So they do two showcases that night. And I took a cab back uptown and went went and watched the uh, the second showcase. So they were the, my two favorite. Did you speak to them
1: afterwards to say who you were, like, and try and see if they were interested? No. no? no. I no, mean no. Trevor Horn produced uh Crowded House album would have been interesting. I don't think it would have worked.
2: He would have dismantled um, them, just deconstructed them um, and then Yeah, well it uh, wouldn't have no. worked wouldn't have work. There are certain certain things that Trevor just can't go in there because he will destroy it. You, yeah. You, you, yeah I it's yeah, I I d I don't see how it how it would have worked. Not yeah. not not with not with Neil and Tim. Yeah. They they clearly knew exactly what they wanted and where they're going yeah yeah so so th- those are my two favorite those are my excellent,
1: two excellent choices i love crowded house neil finn's a bit of a genius yeah okay and song you wish you had produced in the 80s
2: uh now i i i haven't looked up the date of this but i hope it was in the 80s <laughs> uh 10cc i'm not in love at 75 damn Be quiet. Then it's then it's. I, I I'm gonna have to um, hand it over to Hugh and go um, in the air tonight. In the
1: air tonight. And what would you have done
2: differently? I, I wouldn't have done anything differently. All right. I I just wish I'd done it.
1: <laughs> 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 Perfect answer. Part one of the interview. Thanks. Ah, so, thank you to Gary and again Steve for setting up the interview. Uh, this part one of the interview feels like the hors d'oeuvre of setting up the pop banquet that awaits in part two. Some great music covered in part two. Having said that, it wasn't until I finished the interview that I realised I hadn't spoken to him about Owner of a Lonely Heart. Yes. It's one of those definitively great ages tracks and, I, and I've, I've read interviews with Trevor Horn where he, he's called it his, his greatest achievement so I'm surprised I missed that one out. and I mentioned the dollar singles if you're not from the UK and you have a certain age and you don't love the dollar singles I urge you to listen to the dollar album that you will find on streaming sites and if you don't know the song titles the hits play the album see if you can work out which of the four tracks uh, produced by Trevor Horn and engineered by Gary and I guarantee you, you'll work it out in about five seconds in each instance because you've got four pop jewels and songs written by David Van Day and it does stand out uh, so anyway so part two is coming soon and we will end with I didn't know until I did the research on this, there was a, another version of Video Killed the Radio Style that predated the Buggles version by The Camera Club, a band formed by Bruce Woolley, who co-wrote the song, and features a certain Thomas Dolby on keyboards. And, and this version that you'll hear proves two things. One, how a great melody is indestructible, no matter what you do to it. And second, how perfect the Buggles track is. This is a good version, but the Buggles version to me is, is pop perfection. Speaking of pop perfection, 80s geography will be back soon. Mm. Spread my word, you gorgeous little chance. Thank you, and
0: goodbye. stop you coming the Can't complain. You rumble. Help yourself to another piece of apple crumble. Why apple crumble?
1: Hey. Say anything? say hello, I'm Luke.
0: Hello, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> can
1: you say eight is Ogreby?
0: A good is <laughs> for <laughs> a